and welcome to Detention. Joining us this week for the sports edition of the Detention Podcast, we have Brandon Staley, Draymond Green, and then a whole litany of Iowa sports players. So, um, untold time how long this will take for sports. There's a whole bunch of things that we probably could talk about. And it'll probably be longer than the other two sections that we have throughout this week. But you know what? A lot of shit happened in sports. Yeah, no kidding. So starting off, Cody, obviously with it being uh, very close to a major uh, holiday, I'm going to have a theme for my jokes for each episode. Got it. So what did Santa say when he stepped into a big puddle? That's what? <laughs> uh, it must have rained here. Yeah, it's a bad one. Yes. I I think you'll like Wednesdays, though. Okay. <laughs> Again, I always have one good one out of the three, and I think Wednesdays is going to make you laugh a little bit more. That one was rough. It was rough. I like it, but it was rough. Um, so we're going to start off with something that I saw a couple weeks ago now that was kind of interesting. I don't know how I really feel about it. And I'm sure once I get into it, you'll probably have some pretty strong opinions on it. Uh, the NCAA president, Charlie Baker has proposed the creation of what he's calling a new subdivision within division one that would allow the highest resourced schools, the ability to compensate athletes through a trust fund and uh, direct name, image and likeness licensing agreements. So as prior, right, as how it is now, essentially, uh, schools can't directly pay their student athletes based off of their name, image, likeness. It has to come through a third-party organization. What he is now presenting is that schools can directly then pay student athletes. Which? Then they're contracted. Yeah, they would be. And that's kind of, I think I get have a point later on, is that they're, they're trying to, in a way, list student athletes as more employees of the university based off of, I guess, the work that they do for the university. Okay. Um, which I can agree with that, that, yeah, student athletes, to an extent, do earn, a, especially football and some basketball if you're not a huge football school generate a lot of revenue for the universities that they go to based off of their athletic ability. But this might go a little too far because we've already talked about how, well, they are scholarship players. Right. So they're already being somewhat compensated and paid to go to school. Everything's free for them. So a, a paying them additional money seems a little bit well, counterproductive. Here's, I mean, I can understand how it could potentially work where they would be contracted to still go to classes. But at that point, when you're paying them as employees, what other employee do you have at a university to say, you have to take these classes as well. And you have to have a certain GPA, like no other employee in the university. I'm pretty sure has that requirement. I know some, some teachers or professors have this, um, the stipulation that you have to do research for yeah. certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It just, it seems weird that yeah. you'd have the contract. It would have to be yearly. Yeah. So they say that, but they then would... you look at the transfer portal and then that just goes up in flames. 
So, yeah. and then you have to look at health insurance. You have to look at... I don't know if they would get that into the weeds of it as, like, legit labeled W-2 employee. But imagine but some people are probably going to take it that way. Um, well, again, I think they're trying to reflect that as employee status, not necessarily as documented legally as you are a, quote, employee of the university. But they would be if you're paying them. Unless yeah. the only way is if you're an employee, you're on the payroll, you're getting paid through this from the university, yeah. or you're getting paid under the table tax-free, which is illegal. Yeah. I don't think it'd be tax-free by any means, but I think the fact that they're doing it based under the guides of name, image, and likeness, I think is probably a cop-out for all those. that You wouldn't need to have those specific stipulations. Obviously, you'd still have to pay taxes on it. But I'm not thinking that it would be like health insurance, uh, FICA, like that kind of stuff. And just think of like how quickly this snowballed from we just mm-hmm. want to be able to have a Twitter or an Instagram with our business to I'm getting $20 million to stay here. Yeah. Like what? It it did balloon pretty quickly. So going into a little bit more specifics of this, it says it would require an investment of at least $30,000 per year per athlete for at least half of the school's eligible athletes. Uh, the subdivision members would also need to retain compliant with Title IX, providing equal monetary opportunities to female and male athletes. Uh, student athletes would also be able to use the funds for whatever they would want, so it doesn't have to be specific in any way. Uh, if passed, schools in the new subdivision could create their own rules separate from the rest of the Division One. So that's where things can get a little bit more tricky. I'm sure a lot of these big Southern schools that don't have a lot of scholarship sports anyway and just have oogoo bucks for basically basketball and football can really just make all types of rules for whatever they think they can do to get more players attracted to universities. Um, this is kind of a quote from the uh, president, Charlie Baker. Forward-thinking framework that gives educational institutions with the most visibility, the most financial resources, and the biggest brands an opportunity to choose to operate with a different set of rules that more accurately reflect their scale and their operating model. Um from what I could read from the article that I saw, a lot of these bigger schools who are, they feel like being tied down by the smaller schools in Division One and having to follow the rules that the small schools have to follow, they feel it's restrictive to them. Yeah, it's in competition. It's like the fairness of competition. Yeah, it definitely brings like a school like James Madison that just got into the FBS. Out uh, of the equation. And then makes him on not an equal playing field, but at least rules-wise within the NCAA, at least competitive with Alabama or Georgia, right? The transfer portals are already fucking up competition because they can go anywhere they want. And NIL has just been kind of thrown around. Yeah. This is a question going back, but is the money, you you say going into a trust fund, is that coming from the university or just being held by the university? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I found that specific or not. I think it would be university controlled. Okay. So like donors could then say this money is specifically going towards this fund 
and the university would just allocate it based off of what they have. This is just a terrible idea because then you're going to get into the weeds of with some athletes. Well, they're holding out money. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, again, these large schools that have all the money that they can to do this will obviously abuse it to fit their needs. And then the smaller schools are really going to struggle. Yeah. And then just kind of going to that point too, the whole idea that he said the, he didn't say more competitive. What was the quote again? Um, gives educational institutions with the most visibility, the most financial resources and the biggest brands an opportunity to choose to operate with a different set of rules. That's bullshit. Then more (laughs) accurately reflect their scale and their operating model. I don't Um, care how big you are. Yeah. You don't get a different set of rules. That's you, not how you, that works. You shouldn't, and that's why they have different divisions within right. the NCAA. They have three divisions where, based off of your size, you're grouped into a specific division, so you're not going to get uh, taken advantage of by schools that are much larger than you. Right? It doesn't make sense to have a Division three school go up against a Division one school because it's just not fair competitively. Um, Baker also proposed that any division one school could enter into an NIL deal directly with its athletes. So that's a new change too, where again, it had to be a third party organization, but now the school can directly go into a deal with an athlete. So, I mean, think of it this way. If, if the university of Iowa wanted to check in on Caitlin Clark's new Nike deal or state farm deal, they could help facilitate that and get a cut. Which, is that wrong? Uh, to a degree, yeah, because she's getting that deal on her own right. based off of her athletic prowess, not because it's Iowa attached to her name. She's doing it, Caitlin Clark, subcategory, University of Iowa. And I can I get it from the university's perspective. Like, she goes to the University of Iowa, yes, but she could go somewhere else. She could, yeah. Uh, opting into the new subdivision would be a school-by-school decision, uh, but the conferences, I think, would have to mandate all of its members participate. So it wouldn't be like, oh, seven of the 18 Big Ten schools are going to be doing this. Um, from what they are feeling is that any major conference, they would have to have a vote with the chancellors and presidents within that conference, and they either are all in or not. This is college football has become college sports has become an absolute joke in a circus. It's uh, taking the amateur out. Not even just the amateur. To me, it's taking the fun out of it. Like I watch the sport to watch the sport. Yeah, I'm watching to see who's going to go to the next level. You know, like a progression. I don't care per se how much money you're going to make or not. Like. All of this shit that we are seeing is selfish, A, which, you know, I get it. Get the money you deserve or think you earn or whatever. But this is not what this is about. This is about sports. Competition. When did it stop being about competition? That's the thing that drives me nuts about all of this, even with the professional athletes. When did this stop being about the drive for the game and the competition? Or even not that. It, it's no longer having the academics taken into account. Yeah. Which, you know, if you're a, a student athlete, you're going to college, you, yeah, you probably mainly choose the college based off of how think how you think you're going to do as an athlete at that school. 
But in tandem, you generally also want to pick a school that has a degree with a major that you want there's and a, is known for it. There's a reason it's called a student athlete. Yeah. Because you are an athlete who is a student. Mm. Student is first for a reason. Yeah. You are not an athletic student. You are a student athlete. Mm-hmm. There's a reason it's said that way. Yeah. So I figured you would probably be pretty up in arms about that one. And once I read it, I'm like, well, that is totally against everything that the NCAA has really kind of been trying to do so far. So that's unfortunate falling into the in line with just money grabs. Uh, Next uh, football news. This isn't confirmed, obviously. Yeah, I read that and I looked it up. I'm like, you're lying to me. I'm not lying to you. You're lying to I'm me. just saying I saw it, and I'm like, ooh, that'd be a good headline. <laughs> um, there are rumors that Bill Belichick is going to be fired from the New England Patriots. Um, the rumors first circulated after the uh, Patriots lost to the Colts in Germany 10-6, to and they have now progressively seemingly gotten a little bit worse, uh, where Robert Kraft has been thinking more heavily on firing longtime Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. Uh, the Patriots are 3-11 and this season and are officially eliminated from the playoffs. It's the second straight year that they've been eliminated from the playoffs. Um, people are assuming that Kraft is going to see how the season ends in regards to making a coaching decision. Uh, sources say Belichick has not changed the way he has been dealing with his players or coaches or executives and is not discussing himself and preparing for this year or next year as he always does. So he's keeping business as usual. As you should. Which you should. You don't want to let up to your guys. Like, you know, it's coming down the pike and you're just going to cash it in. You don't want to do that. Um, But yeah, what do you think of that? Bill Belichick potentially getting fired. Um, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. Like I like Bill Belichick. He's done a lot for the Patriots organization and he is a great coach. You know, you can't deny that he is a good coach. No, he made it what it is. Right. And you can say most of it was Tom Brady or most of it was Bill Belichick. There's an argument to be made for both. I'd say the tandem and pair. I would agree. Because I don't think if if Tom Brady didn't have Belichick, I don't know if he would have been as successful either. Would he have been successful? Yes. Would he have been as successful? Probably not. Six rings? I don't know if he would have gotten six rings. Right. Yeah. One or two. For sure. For sure, he would have been a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yep. 100%. But I just think that this is Belichick's, like, worst year since Brady started. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to jump down his throat this much. And it's, and it's because he's won so much. Oh, yeah. Right? Things change. Look at, look at Greg Popovich, right? Mm-hmm. They went to the playoffs for 20 or 22 years in a row. And then uh, Kawhi Leonard leaves, uh, Manu retires, uh, Tony Parker leaves, and then Tim Duncan retires. They're not great, and they haven't been great. And even now that they have uh, Wemby, they're still not great. But they're still giving to Coach Pop because Coach Pop knows what to do. And we've talked about that a little bit, too. I think he's still operation president yeah. of uh, basketball operations. So he can also make True. that decision. It's a little bit inside baseball there. But, but like, he knows what to do. And oh, that yeah. organization, even though he's president of basketball operations, 
the owner can still fire him. True. They definitely have that outright power to do so. So yeah. they haven't gotten rid of him because they know he knows what he's doing. Yes, they've had like five bad seasons, but it's not that they haven't made any progress. Mm-hmm. They're just playing against really good competition, and their players just aren't up to snuff right now. I see that with the Patriots. Their defense is good. Their defense is very good. Their offense right now is very incompetent. They just haven't been able to find anything that works. Mm-hmm. That's unfortunate. They've, I'm not saying this is all the reason, but like they've had a lot of offensive line issues. A lot of their receivers have been injured. Mac Jones could have gotten it done. Bailey Zappi was struggling. Like they've had issues this year. That's not a that's not a shocker, and it's not a secret. Mm. But to me, people like asking him to be fired. It's like, do you not see what he's done for the last 22 years of his coaching here? Like, yeah, he's done a lot. Give him some credit and give him some grace. Yeah, I wouldn't, if I was a Patriots fan, I wouldn't be calling for him to be fired by any means. I think also if Robert Kraft is looking to fire him, I think he's jumping the gun. And honestly, there might be something between Kraft and Belichick that we don't know. I've heard that there might be some issues between those two, so maybe this is his like reason to get rid of him. But as a coach, without knowing anything behind the scenes, I don't think he should be fired for one season. I think if it's like three seasons so if he does bad next season i think it's been two so far i think he well it guess it has progressively gotten worse i think if next year he goes like five and what 12 yeah okay probably time to call it quits but i i just don't see this being the reason why we have to let him go yeah i wouldn't say that either uh, that leads into the next story that I wanted to mention with the Chargers firing both head coach and general manager, uh, Brandon Staley, the head coach and general manager, Tom Telesco, uh, after their blowout loss to the Raiders last week on Thursday night football, uh, 63 to 21. And the Chargers are now five and nine. Um, the Chargers officially named linebackers coach uh, Giff Smith in interim uh, oh, they named him interim head coach, and then JoJo Wooden, the interim general manager. Um, I want to get into this because the potential candidates for the replacement going into the next season, and we'll list them off here, is Detroit OC Ben Johnson, who I would say based off his – I mean, I always hate this, how offensive or defensive coordinators after having like one really successful year with a team are automatically – getting thrown into like the head coaching position at a different franchise. I don't like that because I shouldn't say more often than not, but a lot of times they don't do well. And then they just, and then they just (laughs) get fired two or three years later. Nathaniel Hackett. Yes. (laughs) And it it does not, uh, make sense to me to be like, Oh yeah, this guy's doing really good at this one specific job that he has. Let's give him reins on everything. And then he fails. Completely different. Yeah, it's completely different. Um, But he's seen as a potential hire after the season. Uh, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, which a lot of people are saying that's probably their favorite one just because Michigan has had, you know, three successful seasons now. No matter how they perform in the college football playoff, they're assuming that he wants to get back into the NFL. Um, And this would be a good opportunity. He likes California. I think since he was out there with San Francisco, he's had head coach uh, experience at a major level anyway. So that would be a good option. 
But they're also thinking about Bill Belichick potentially as being the head coach of the Chargers, which, again, the likelihood of that happening, I wouldn't necessarily see Bill immediately jumping from the Patriots to the Chargers. They're in very much, except for having at least a competent quarterback in the Chargers with Justin Herbert, very similar boats otherwise, where they have some good pieces here or there, but overall it's still a kind of a rebuild for most other things. Taking a, a job literally on the complete opposite side of the country just to do the exact same thing that you would have done at the previous spot doesn't make sense to me. So I don't know why they would really throw that out there. Um, and then former Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett was also thrown out there. So, you know, uh, I like Jason Garrett. He's a nice guy. I don't think he's really necessarily head coach material anymore. I like him as um, a sports commentator opposite of Tony Dungy. Like the two of them being former players, former head coaches, uh, being relatively successful, obviously Tony Dungy being way more successful than <laughs> Jason Garrett. But I, I like that dynamic that they have. And they obviously have the mind for offense and football, so I, I like that um, a lot more for them anyway. Basketball news. Well, you put this one now. I'll yeah. talk on it, but oh. I didn't know if you had anything on it. I have some things. Go for uh, it. Draymond Green uh, officially, when it first happened, was listed as an indefinite suspension, yeah. so not having a time frame for uh, his return. But uh, Draymond Green was again ejected. Was it the second time this season? I think it's like third or fourth. Third or fourth. Uh, this time for purposely swinging his arm into Sun Center. Yusuf Nurkic. Yep, there we go. <clears throat> and I say purposefully. Oh, he, I couldn't agree more. He doesn't necessarily say purposely. Yeah. Um, now, he is in a mandatory counseling and is expected to miss the next three weeks, which is about... At tw- minimum. At minimum, which is about 12 games. Um, it's his 20th ejection of his career. Uh, Green did apologize after swinging his arm and hitting him freaking hard as shit in the face. Yeah. Um, but it said that his actions were unintentional quote saying, as you know, I'm not one to apologize for things I meant to do, but I do apologize to Yusuf because I didn't intend to hit him. Uh, said that he was trying to sell a foul by flailing his arms when he was being guarded by him. Have you watched the video? Yeah. Yeah. That's the video that's attached in our doc. He, uh, he, he wasn't fouled. He, um, he was being, he wasn't even. He didn't even have the ball. He was. Yeah, and I think back to back with him. There's I think no that's, foul. You th- can't commit a foul in that position. I, but I know that's what he's just saying. Right. And that's my point. You can't. Mm. Um, I actually watched a video of Charles Barkley on a talk show about this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lady was defending Draymond. Oh, she was the- saying, "You you can see he, he didn't mean to." And he's and Barkley's like. Are you kidding me? He's like, if you slow the tape down, you can see him look at Nurkic and find him and then swing his arm into his face. Yeah, and if anyone doesn't really know, uh, Charles Barkley has also been ejected several times in his career. Yeah. He's like top five most ejected players in the NBA. Right. So. No, anyone who tries to defend what Draymond Green did, 
is absolutely fucking insane. There's there's no actual explanation that you can tell me that would legitimately make sense as to why he did that. Again, we've talked about this not even, what, three weeks ago? Eh, probably about a month and a half ago now that I think about it. Not a month and a half ago, but maybe a month. It was sometime recently. Yeah. Um, just a list of the things over the past, I think, seven years. Kicked Steven Adams in the balls twice. And LeBron James. Yep. Um, he's elbowed a couple people. He stepped on DeMontis Sabonis hard. He swung and punched, uh, Yusuf Nurkic. He actually straight on punched, uh, Jordan Poole during practice. He choked out Rudy Gobert during a game. Hmm. You can't do these things. And for him to say, oh, I didn't mean to do it. Yes, you did. Every, like we have replay and we can see everything you do is intentional. Like when he said, oh, I, I apologize because I didn't mean to do it. And I, I don't apologize if I mean to do things. So you're seriously going to sit here and tell me that everything beforehand that you said was an accident. It was absolutely you lied about because you never apologized to that person. That's a good point. So, OK, maybe this is the one you didn't actually mean to do, but you just you just agreed and admitted that everything you did beforehand was purposeful. So that just makes it more against you that anything in the future you probably mean to do. Yeah. Like, no, I have zero problems with this being indefinite. And I think he should be out for longer. Like, I've also seen potential trades for when, like, for the Warriors when they want to shop Draymond. Who in the fucking mind wants this guy? Um, I would say put get the Rockets and have him and Dylan Brooks on the same team. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be, like, they hate each other. That'd yeah. be funny. To me... Draymond at this stage in his career is way more of a liability than he is an asset to anybody. I don't care how much oomph he brings to a locker room. That is not worth your time. In my opinion, it, I kind of go at it from a different perspective like this. I think Ben Simmons is in that same situation. Okay. I'm going to compare them. Whereas Draymond's attitude and Ben Simmons health He'll say everything he can to not play. He is not worth your time, even though he can score like crazy and he is a great asset when he's on the floor. It's not worth your time. Or Kyrie and his drama. Mm -hmm. All in the same facet. Draymond is not worth your time at this point in his career. He's almost to the point of retirement. And it's just getting to the point where, like I said the last time we talked about this, because his play is declining, he can't deal with it. So he lashes out and Again, if you watch the video, he is standing with his back to Nurkic and there's no foul and he just swings. He just flails, swings, sees him and clocks him right in the face. Absolutely no reason for it. Yeah. Um, I think if he wants to be around the game and still be a force for players in the locker room, which like you alluded to being like his biggest, quote, asset as still being a player because he's not really what he used to be when he was first in the league, just do what, um, uh, Iguodala does. Isn't he still technically a part of the team, but he's just on the he bench. He officially like a coach. retired. Did he officially retire? Yeah. Um, who's the other guy that I'm thinking of that was also just on sideline has kind of like a coaching figure. He played for the warriors for a period to cousins. DeMarcus Cousins? Yeah. There no. was a, wasn't there a period of time where he was on sideline? He well, was he mainly was. Just he just like, didn't play. Yeah. He was mainly just kind of like coaching figure. Mm, he was never a coaching figure. He just 
never was able to play anymore. Ah, okay. Well, then just have Draymond do that. The guy that does rah-rah in halftime. I don't know. I just I can't think that his rah-rah would be that uplifting. I would imagine it's more, you fucking suck, <laughs> and you need to be better. I'm just calling it how it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I just... I I can't stand the dude. I don't care how much good he does. Like, in terms of basketball, dude's a fucking waste. I wouldn't say this is uh, making any good for basketball. No. Because this isn't... And, you know, obviously there's different eras of basketball. It's no longer the rough and tough, like, late 80s and then 90s. Right. And I have no issue with having an enforcer, but there's a way to do it, and that's not it. Yeah. Be Steven Adams. Yeah. Enforcer, but doesn't do all the cheap Steven shit. Steven Adams is one of the most chill dudes in the league. He is... I've literally watched him get punched in the face, unfazed, just trying to move somebody. Well, I think he... Um, I think he's one of those guys that just understands his stature and his size to the point of like, if things do go down, I'm pretty much guaranteeing that I'm fine. He's a cool head of Kiwi. Yeah. And yeah. And that's what I'm saying is I think he recognizes of like, I think I can take anyone out on this court right? and I don't need to worry about it. Yeah. It's just, he, he understands his, his role and it's, I'm, I'm going to get rebounds. I'm going to set picks. I'm going to do what I can for my team. And if something happens, I'm going to stand in the way. I'm going to make sure none of my teammates get hurt. That's about it. I've never seen the dude mad. I've never seen him mad during, like, playing. He just, he does what he does. And that's how the enforcer should be. It's like, you don't need to get rough and tough with people. Yeah, you might need to break something up. But, like, you you don't need to swing and choke and stomp and anything else that Draymond's done. It's just unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, Giannis. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this. Um, super confused by it because I saw it. And I'm like, I don't get it. So it's, it's a very important milestone when you score your first basket in the NBA. Okay. okay. Typically like a first touchdown kind of thing. You get the game ball, like same kind of thing. You score your first points, you get your game ball. Mm-hmm. Well, they were playing the Pacers, a rookie scored his first point. They said his first basket. I don't really think you could go that far because he scored one point. And one rebound the entire game. So it was a free throw. Right. Okay. Giannis, however, had a career night with 64 points, which is nuts because Giannis doesn't really shoot threes. Okay. So this is like old time 80s, 64. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some miscommunication. Apparently, one of the Bucks assistants grabbed the ball to give to Giannis. Giannis thought that one of the Pacers players grabbed the ball. So he was like, oh, hell no. And then he started, like, charging back to the Pacers locker room, starts, like, confronting everyone to get the game ball. Hmm. And it just happened to be the uh, the Bucks assistant grabbed it for him. Okay. Um, but I thought it was pretty funny. Just wanted to mention it because it's like, wowza. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but a couple games afterwards, um, Jalen Brunson for the Knicks scores a 50-pointer. Okay. And he made history. It was like the first 50 points while not missing, like, or having the most threes not missed. It was like nine or some shit. And uh, Ryan Archie Diacono grabbed the ball and um, on the Knicks. And then Julius Randle, who's also on the Knicks, grabs the ball from him, holds it up in the air for Jalen Brunson so mm. no one takes the game ball <laughs> and then gives it to him. And when he was asked about it, like why he did that, he's like, I didn't trust Ryan with the ball, uh, <laughs> so I wanted to make sure Jalen got the ball. I just thought it was funny because other people saw it too. So 
Yeah, Giannis, Giannis kind of freaked out a little bit. Okay. Uh, something before we move on to Iowa sports that isn't on our list that I just thought of and probably should mention is that uh, Keegan Murray had oh, a dude. fucking uh, milestone in his just second year with the Kings where he had, this is two records, yeah, one franchise. Yep. Um, he had 12 threes mm-hmm. in a game, which is the franchise record yes. for the Kings. But he made 11 of those in a row, in a row, which is an NBA all-time record. Yeah. And he only shot it 15 times. Yeah. So he was 12 for 15 from three. And he 12 had, for 13 from three. 12 from 13? Yeah. He was 12 was, for 13 from three. That was 12 and, fi- from 12 and 15. No, because he ended up the night with 47. Yeah. But he didn't just score all threes. He got free right. throws and other points in there. Right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he uh, had career high, 47 points. Um, and when he was later asked about, uh, his performance, he says that sometimes, and th- he says this happened in college too, where I would just have blackouts <laughs> and I just wouldn't miss. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, and it was just one of those nights. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. But it always makes Iowa look good when you have, uh, someone with that type of skill set. who, I mean, he set an NBA record last year for most threes by a rookie and yeah. now he's doing this and he also had the most youngest player nba player to have that many points since kobe did it which that takes you back to the 90s yeah um that's a whoa yeah that's that's good that's good on you all right iowa sports uh a bunch of different things we'll kind of run through them here pretty quickly a uh, couple of transfers that we wanted to mention uh since the last time we talked about it uh, Deontay Vines, wide receiver for Iowa, and then Joy Labas, a backup third string, second string technically, after Hill, Kay. after K got injured and Hill came in. Uh, but Joy Labas enters the transfer portal. The only thing I'll say about that is what pisses me off is what you tagged me in. Uh, videos of oh, yes. Labas just nailing receivers in stride. Perfect balls thrown in stride. A couple practice. of those were Deontay Vines too against so. <laughs> the Iowa defense. I don't know if it was starters though. I couldn't make out if they were the actual uh, defensive starters for yeah. Iowa. But there was a video that was circulating that was released that showed Joey Labas throwing absolute dimes and being uh, very effective and efficient in a lot of his uh, plays that they were showing in the video. Now, obviously, it was cut together. And, okay, cool, those were 10 plays out of 50 or 60 that day. Right. And who knows what the rest of them looked like. But the fact that he was able to do that shows that mm, he has probably a little bit more potential than what maybe was given to the media during the season. Yeah. To say that, oh, well, Deacon Hill is just that much better that – Joey Lavis can't start any of the games right. since uh, McNamara went down. And we saw how Deacon Hill looked, and so we could only assume that Joey Lavis was absolute dog shit. And no, he was not absolute dog shit. Yeah. He was polished, maybe dog turd. Yeah. Which, if it, you know, a steaming, a polished pile is better than a steaming pile. Yeah. I guess. Uh, but yeah, Deontay Vines also transferring out. Um, I'm not terribly upset with that. Um, I know you are a little bit more than I am just yeah. because the potential probably could have been there if given a little bit more of a consistent opportunity. So like if McNamara stayed healthy all of next season, who knows what Deontay Vines could have done since he was showing at least some glimpses here in the season, um, more sporadic than in years before, because years before he was pretty much a non-factor. 
Um, but he'll also be leaving. Uh, Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator for Iowa, officially wins the Boyles Award, which goes to the best assistant coach in the country. So shout out to that. Um, he was the only defensive coordinator in the finalists uh, for the last five uh, finalists. And I forgot the quote that I think I told you about, and I didn't put it in my notes. But he basically said that, well, I'm the only defensive guy here. Everyone else is offensive. And I'm paraphrasing. He's like, all the other guys are offense. Um, I don't have to, what is it? You guys get four downs to get a first down or something like that. My job is basically harder than yours, so obviously I should get the award or something. It was something, I'm paraphrasing horribly, but... It was basically like, well, yeah, I should have gotten it. (laughs) Offensive guys have a little bit more leeway than I do. Right, all you have to do is score points. Yeah. We have to stop you from scoring points. Mm -hmm. Uh, Torrey Taylor wins the Ray Guy Award, which goes to the nation's best punter. Obviously, he was the best. (laughs) He kept Iowa alive the entire season, I would say, with flipping field position. Um, Robert Garley is officially inducted into College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, He was, he is, not was, Iowa's, Highest rated draft pick going into the NFL. He was number two overall, right behind Eli Manning. So congratulations to Robert Gallery. Uh, Caitlin Clark officially reaches her 3,000 points milestone. Uh, Only a college player, men or women, to have 3,000 points, 750-plus rebounds, and 750-plus assists. And that number is climbing. Um they're anticipating that within the next 18 games, she'll be the NCAA women's leading scorer. And then in like 23 games, she'll be all time NCAA points leader for both men and women. So that's a huge milestone. Oh, and she could also break the NCAA record for threes in that time too. So, and then last a little bit of Iowa news, Kate Martin is the first, uh, women's basketball player in program history to amass 900 points, 500 rebounds, 400 assists, 120 steals, and 60 blocks. Um, so that's kind of, um, she reminds me a lot of like Nicholas Bear. Yeah. Just does everything for you and doesn't complain about it and is just solid fundamentally on both sides of the court. Um, she is nicknamed the glue after all. So, I mean, those stats definitely back up. Uh, that nickname for all right that wraps up uh, all the sports edition of the detention podcast thank you all for listening please spread the word encourage others to listen as well you can follow us on twitter at detention pod one or you can send us an email at detention podcast one at gmail.com you can listen to the detention podcast on anchor spotify and apple podcasts and with that your detention has been served we'll see you again next week